Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your News Radio 840 WHAS. Good Sunday morning. Bob Sekoler, the Louisville Real Estate Show here with you till the top of the hour. And with us, we've got Kevin Disler, who is one of the head guys over at Pitt and Frank Attorneys. You can reach him at 895-9900. They do a great job on closings. The whole team does. Speaking of teams, there's Brad Lawler joining us from his car, by the way, uh, already out early this Sunday morning from Home Team Inspection Service. They come in as a team. And uh, they are ranked uh, the number one home team inspection service seven years in a row. And you can reach him, Brad, and the team at 844-411-T. Makes sense? My son, Greg, back from all the work he's been doing. He had time to join us today on the radio show. Good to have Just all of you. Just enough time. Just enough time. And uh, you can reach me, Bob Sekoler, anytime to help you uh, get your home listed and sold. And we've got a team of 12-plus other agents to help you go out there and help you find your next home. Uh, we'll get to your questions because we're doing these COVID shows. And of course that means we do the show, we upload it to YouTube. You can see a rebroadcast of this by going to louisvilleanswers.com. And our people come to us from their offices, their home, their cars. So that's, that's how we do it. And we've been doing it for a couple of years now, but first this news mortgage demand hits its lowest level since 2018 as Rates hit a 13-year high. The mortgage rates, according to Randy Rocky over at Swan Financial, I talked with him a couple hours ago, uh, which means it's really early in the morning. When I get up, it's between five and a quarter and five and a half right now. Most households expect the interest rate on a 30-year fixed rate loan to increase, get a load of this, folks, to 6.7% next year and reach 8.2% by 2025. That's according to a housing survey released by the New York Federal Reserve this past week. If those expectations come true, it would be the first time the average 30-year rate crossed 8% since the year 2000. 2000? Since since the year 2000, people. Oh, my God. Is it 2022 already? Yeah, it's 22 years ago. Okay. Homeowners have, boy, Greg got excited over the year 2000. Homeowners. Make it exciting. That was kind of, that was humdrum news. It was pretty. Do you, do you remember, rim. do you remember Y2K? Yeah. Very well. you, okay. Well, many of us do. Anyway, homeowners have seen the news headlines. They, if they believe they sell now, they should get top dollar and beyond for their home. About 43% of sellers recently surveyed say they expect their home to sell over asking price. That is according to a new survey of about 1,000 homeowners conducted by a group called Clever Real Estate. Mm -hmm. More than a quarter of the sellers, 28% uh, to be exact, expect to receive an offer on the first day the home is listed. And that does seem to be rather true. 53% of uh, home sellers anticipate an offer within a month. I'd say it would probably be faster than that if the home is priced right in in the good area and marketed by the Sekolder team. Uh, 87% of sellers surveyed also expected to receive more than one offer on their home and 52% expect to receive four or more offers. Yeah, that's on that's home. a light estimate. And, and just so the people know that interest rates aren't scaring people off Yeah, We just had a listing just this past weekend, mm-hmm. uh, 28 plus offers, multiple cash contingencies waived. I mean, you name it, it's still out there. It is still, and maybe the, the increasing interest rates are, scaring more people into forcing them, okay, we got to do this now. So the feds, 
the, the Fed's just talking these interest rates up and it's moving the markets and we'll see what happens. But the market's still hot as ever. Hot as ever. You can take that to the bank, literally and figuratively. All right, let's go to our uh, emails that are coming in. If you have an email question, send it to me, bob at com, and then put in the subject line, radio question, and then put the question in the body of the email. Easy as that. Patricia did that. She sent in this email. She says, I'm about to sell my home, and for the past couple of years, my neighbors have had chairs, workout equipment, and kids play things on my part of the yard. When I put the home on the market, should I tell the neighbors to remove those items or should I sell the house and let my new owners deal with it? Since they have these items on this part of my lawn, do they need to know that that's part of my property? So the couple of questions there from an attorney standpoint, Kev, any suggestions to Patricia? Yeah, I think she needs to have a, hopefully a pleasant conversation with her neighbor because you get to the, you get to issues that, uh, you get to issues that someone coming out and taking a look at the backyard, a potential purchaser may have a misrepresentation of the actual boundaries of the yard. So I think it's better to solve the problem before you sell the property rather than to perhaps pitch to the new buyer the situation that they have to resolve afterwards. And it's just a good idea, I think, to resolve that before. What if she put up flags and ribbons to indicate where her property line uh, is so that the any prospective buyer knows where that line is well you could certainly do that but in kentucky you could have possible claims of a prescriptive easement that you uh uh by, by your actions and your activity over a period of time allow the neighbor to do that in which case the neighbor then assumes that they have the right to do that with the new buyer it's just not a really good situation to keep quiet about and and hope that right. the uh situation resolves itself after you take your cash at the closing table. Not to mention, yeah. if you haven't had the conversation with the neighbor yet and you put flags out, it's a little bit passive aggressive, don't you think? You're like, hey, well, hey, hey, by the way, I don't want to tell you, but these, some of these flags up, you need to adhere by these. Just go, as Lee, as Lee would always say, you know, Kevin may not be a baker of apple pies, but we, you know, bake a pie, go over there and say, hey, guys, yeah. did you, I'm getting ready to sell my house. If you don't mind, I don't know if you knew where the boundaries were. You just kind of keep your stuff. Here's a token of, of, of appreciation and gratitude for being a good neighbor. There you go with a little uh, apple pie or something else that might work. All right, we move on. This is for uh, Brett. Tommy getting ready to sell his house. He emails us. He says he has two problems. He needs to know how to address. He actually emailed me a picture and I sent that to you, Brad, of what yeah. looks like asbestos tape on right. some duct work in the basement. I'm seeing more and more of this. Okay. How is that handled? Let's start with that question. All right. So what you saw, Bob, was a white colored tape uh, that looked a little bit like fabric. The likelihood of that being asbestos is pretty high. Um, however, what you know, you'd ask the question too about testing. Yes, a, a portion of that tape could be cut loose and it could be sent into a lab to determine whether or not it had asbestos fibers in it. The asbestos fibers being released in the air is what's dangerous. Right. Now, the tape, the picture that you sent me looked like uh, the material was in good shape. It was not fraying. It wasn't disintegrating. It wasn't damaged, which means that tape is still safe. The best thing that they could do, though, is go ahead and encapsulate that asbestos tape. So rather than removing it, leave it in place, but just go ahead and cover it with like duct tape. Whoa, 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 um, wait, duct tape? Real duct, duct tape? tape? Duct tape, yes, yes. The, the, the stuff the, that we buy the, in the store that's called duct tape, the, which is not normally stuff, used the, for duct tape. The, the stuff that is used for ducts. 
Yes, not Fort Duck, C-U-D-U-C-K-S, Ducks. Um, but you just want to cover that tape up. You just want to cover the old uh oh, Brad's breaking up on us. And that's 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 oh. a lot of times it can be uh covered up in my back. I'm sorry guys. Yeah, go ahead. My back. Okay. Yeah. But a lot of times it can even you'll see it covered up with paint. Now I'm not I'm not as big of a fan of painting over it, but a lot of the old duct work has been painted and again that encapsulates the asbestos as well. well. I was just saying if if you do that, if you're a potential seller and you you, you wrap it up with a the duct tape D-U-C-T rather than D-U-C-K. Is that something that you have to put on your seller disclosure? That It would be a, it would be a, a realtor question um, <laughs> uh, as far as disclosures go. I'm not involved in the disclosure side. But, um, you know, you don't know what's underneath any of the, the, the things that have been taped up out there, right? You know, in this case, you, you don't know that it's asbestos. You're just taking a precautionary step. Um, I, you know, I'll let, I'll let the, the well, smart unless legal anything's minds been changed on the disclosures, um, there's, there's no places unless, you know, go to the lawyer known or should have known, but I mean, but this is a question I would think from an, for an attorney, are you covering something up? This is a very good problem because most of the remedies Brad normally are taking some sort of, now I was always told it's a, a, a foil backed tape, not the type of duct tape, but does it matter it, in your mind? Well, it's, so here's what I'm going to say about yeah, that. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to specify a particular type or brand of tape. What you're looking for is something that will completely seal over the asbestos tape. If it's asbestos, now keep in mind, we don't know it's asbestos until we test it. It's like vermiculite. You know, we see vermiculite insulation in lots and lots of attics. But does that vermiculite insulation contain asbestos fibers? You don't know until you test it. So, you know, at this point, you know, a lot of the vermiculite is buried under layers of blown-in insulation. Um, again, is it, is it visible? Is it evident? Yeah, we see it. We see it a lot. You know, what steps have to be taken? Well, if you need to know that it is asbestos or is not asbestos, you have to take a sample of it and send it to a lab to have it uh, to yeah. confirm. Problem is you just want to make sure that the fibers of the asbestos do not get into the air. That's what's breathed in. And that's what causes, you know, the, uh, the different type of cancers and breathing issues uh, when those asbestos fibers are, are, um, brought into your lungs. So you just want to make sure they're, they're sealed over. Encapsulated is the term that's used to make sure that the friable uh, material is not released into the air. Okay. Yeah, I guess the caution is that the lawyer line always says, did you know, or should you, did you know, or reasonably should have known? And so that if you're, you're a buyer and the fact that you take, even though you're not 100% positive as asbestos, you were concerned enough about it to wrap it with duct tape. So then the question is, did you know, or reasonably should have known to at least do the investigation to determine if, and, you know, I've just had cases in the past that sometimes it's not necessarily, it's a perception of the actions taken rather than the actions themselves. So that's interesting. Uh, yeah. All right. Because at the end of the day, it's, yeah. it's, if there's nothing on the disclosure for, if you're looking at a legal binding action of you withheld this information is you, cancerous effects are going to be, delayed down the road clearly obviously if this is something that's causing and and you're coming in contact with and it's something that you hid so that's probably why they're not on the disclosures obviously to get deeper into so it's kind of a gray area but we always operate in if you do know there's asbestos or you've encapsulated or done something an inspector's probably going to come in and they're probably going to say hey there's something going on here and they're going to ask you and that is where legally if you did something and known or should have known i would say that would where you'd get into trouble correct 
All right, well, we'll table this because we don't want this to become the asbestos show. This is right. broader than just asbestos. Mm-hmm. And I'll try to get some more information for next week's show, just so everybody knows. Um, but Tommy has another question, which hopefully is not as detailed problematic <laughs> as the, the first one. He's got a driveway with lots of cracks in it. Over the years, he's used a regular type of cement to seal the cracks. It looks unsightly, and he says it doesn't match the rest of his driveway in color. And how can he fix that or can it be fixed other than getting rid of the whole part of the driveway that he's done that to and repour it again? Uh, would you say staining on that, Brad? Uh, maybe. Um, I, I, I've seen driveways like this. You know, uh, the aggregate sealers, the concrete sealers won't necessarily um, make everything match completely. Yeah. I don't know what type of, of driveway he has. But, um, yeah, I mean, there are some concrete stains that might, you know, even things out, but I don't know that he's going to get a, a perfect match. And if he's got any type of other sealer on other portions of the driveway, I don't know that he's going to be able to do anything other than, you know, maybe using a, a, a tinted sealer over the entire thing to maybe even out the color a little bit, but it's probably still going to be evident. Yeah. Yeah. If you paint, be careful. Paint when wet is very slippery. Sealer is slippery as well, but the yeah. paint, you need to put some sort of sand in it if you're going to do think about painting right. it. Yeah. Colorful flecks that they have. You... Yeah. Yeah. Or there's just a grit that you can dump Add into the, the paint or the, the, yep. the aggregate sealer for sure. If uh, you are thinking about selling your home, we now have five ways to help you sell. And in many cases, just about guaranteed to help you find your next home before you have to leave your first home. So this is something you might want to take note of if you're thinking about that, or if we can help you list your home, you go to bobsellmyhome.com or you can go to sellmyhomebob.com. You can read the information there. There's also a form to fill out. You don't have to fill out the whole form. Just fill out a little bit of it. I'll get back to you. And see. This is a really extensive uh, form. I'm going to cut that back a little bit in the next couple of days. All right. When we come back, if you have a TV that is above a fireplace, Please pay special attention to what we're going to be talking about. I burned one. You did? Let, let I go. have. Oh, let's yeah, not go we'll there. Wait. Okay. Oh, teaser, right. teaser. We'll come back to that. Yeah. All right. Well, with us here, Kevin Disler, Pitt and Frank Attorneys, 895-9900. Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service, 844-411-TEAM. My son, Greg, who does our phenomenal, I really do mean this, phenomenal photography and marketing. And quite frankly, I couldn't be prouder of him, but he's my son. I should do that anyway, but I really am with him. And you can reach me, Bob Sekoler, at 376-5483. We are back in a moment on News Radio 840 WHAS. Hi, I'm Brad Lawler with Home Team Inspection Service, the area's largest home inspection company. Our teams of dedicated professionals, including many veterans, inspect thousands of homes in Louisville and Southern Indiana each year. And team makes all the difference. Extra sets of eyes and overlapping duties means a more thorough inspection and better value for you. Multiple teams mean we're able to inspect your home when you need it. Radon testing, home inspection, termite reports, one call does it all. Get the team, get home team. 
Pip and Frank has been serving your community for over 30 years in real estate closings and our title professionals educate the real estate industry both locally and throughout the state. Tell your loan officer and realtor to close with Pitt and Frank where we pride ourselves on being your trusted real estate closing expert. Pitt and Frank, signed, sealed and delivered at 502-895-9900. That's 502-895-9900. In the real estate market, sellers and buyers have great expectations and as a real estate agent, you take pride in fulfilling them. But some things are beyond your control. So what can you do? Choose Home Warranty of America's 13-month plans. HWA plans cover the home buyer against any breakdowns or repairs, keeping you and your clients safe from any covered claims. We offer comprehensive plans with competitive pricing, and our dedicated team will work with you every step of the way. To learn more, contact HWA today. Hi, I'm Barbara Corcoran. I built the number one brokerage firm in New York City by marketing luxury homes to the most qualified buyers. What makes the difference today in your area? The same thing, custom marketing to the right buyers. In Louisville, the agents with the best marketing plan are Bob and Greg Sokola. Their personalized marketing sells more homes for more money. If they can't find the right buyer on your deadline, they will buy it. Get the best marketing for your home. Go to resellouisville.com and put more money in your pocket. News Radio 840 WHAS, Bob Sekoler, the Louisville Real Estate Show, here with you till the top of the hour with us. Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service at 844-411-TEAM. Kevin Disler, Pitt & Frank Attorneys at 895-9900. My son, Greg, who does our marketing, photography, and so much more. And you can reach me, Bob Sekoler, anytime at 376-5483. And my thanks to Barbara Corcoran. She does a great job. We love her dearly. You've seen her on Shark Tank, and certainly um, Barbara is the real deal when it comes to real estate and knowing uh, a lot about business. So, all right, we move forward. Uh, Kevin and Brad and Greg, do you have TVs above your fireplaces? Yes, I do. Okay. And Greg, you were, did you really lose a TV to a fireplace? Yeah, it's, it's hard to know for sure, but... The, the, the TV possibly has a power bar issue, but after we tried out our, our new fireplace, which we do not have, uh, we tried this new modern look, blah, blah, blah. We don't have a, a, a mantle that keeps the heat away, and uh, we tried it out, and uh, a couple of days later, the TV was no longer working, and I haven't used that fireplace since. We have a new TV, so I haven't found yeah. out. So <laughs> Kathy wrote in. She brought this question up. We, she said, we bought a new 55-inch flat-screen TV, and she'd like to hang it over the fireplace in their family room, but the, uh, her husband's friend says don't. So this is a real hot button issue for a lot of people because I do, I've done this, but I've always worried about um, where are we with this TV if I put the fireplace on and has too much heat coming up to it. And yes, in fact, it can, in fact, um, hurt your TV. It could destroy your TV. There, you know, there's a mantle that's designed that to reflect um, the heat away, but there still can be heat that comes to um, the the TV. The, the 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 report is that it's not advisable to mount the TV above a fireplace because excess heat and electronics don't mix. The area above the fireplace is often warmer than the wall surfaces in your home, and consider this: a gas fireplace can generate 20 to 35,000 BTUs 
of heat per hour. Put yeah, that there, there is yeah. actually on every TV, on the newer TVs, there's a guide. It'll tell you how much heat they can withstand or how much uh, heat they're supposed to withstand factory-wise. If you wanted to look this up, I did all this. And then um, certain ones, like certain fireplaces, if you look at the install instructions, they will also tell you what your dead zones are in between where you need to have non-combustible materials up to this point, um, how far you would need to have a mantle come out if you want to block heat. There, there are scientific things because there's a lot of people that have them above fireplaces, certainly, and they still work. Uh, but it is there is a fine line of temperature and manufacturer um, issues on both sides of things and heat output that will greatly destroy your product if you yeah, don't let me, uh, pay let me point this out and you might want to take note that there are some electric fireplaces uh, that are ambient just for ambiance and they don't produce any heat at all that's perfectly safe right so just note that if you've got a fireplace you it looks great it's great to have a tv above it but don't plan on using that tv and the fireplace one or the other at if you want to use the fireplace don't put the tv up there or take it down and that's not good at all. So let's keep moving on. Uh, Shelly is writing and she says her husband just bought a, a second vacation home, Kevin. And at the closing, the attorney asked if this was going to be our primary residence. That's pretty much a standard question you would ask, correct, Kev? Oh, in Kentucky, you've got the, you know, depending on their age, you have a homestead exemption for your primary residence. Uh, the other thing is if you take a loan out for a secondary resident, residence, yeah. usually the rate's a little higher. So you have some people that have multiple primary residences, which are it's kind of loan fraud, because again, the the risk of the if you don't have enough money to pay both bills, the odds are you're not going to pay the secondary home. So there's always a, usually a little bit of a premium charge by the lender. Well, that makes sense. And you're going to be especially interested in this. So Shelly says her husband, when was asked, is this going to be the primary resident? Her husband said, yes, even though she knew and he knew it won't be. Later, after the closing and on the way home, Sherry asked the husband why he said that. He said he thought there would be better tax benefits if he said it was our primary home. So Shelly is asking, is that true? And can they get into trouble for an answer with the government if they find out? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> one is on the, the loan is an issue and you have people that declare Florida their primary residence because they don't like paying state income tax, uh -huh. but then they declare the primary residence in Kentucky in those forms. And then you have the state of Kentucky determining, well, why aren't you paying the state income tax? Because here's the form where you declare this to be your primary residence. So you can get in all kinds of difficulty. So note, okay. And that goes for everybody who's, who's out there thinking about what Shelly just wrote us about. All right, Brad, moving over to you. Danny emailed me a question. He's selling his home and got a repair request. The inspector for the buyer says, and we, Brad and I actually talked about this. The inspector for the buyer says handrails are needed to be installed at the front rear of the home. And there are only, even in the inspector's pictures, there are only three steps on the yeah. entryway and the exitway. Three steps. And so Danny says, his realtor says a handrail should not be required with only three steps. So what's the status on that, Brad? What should we know? Yeah. So the rule of thumb is, is that handrails are required for four or more risers, four or more steps is when handrails are, uh, you know, recommended uh, in, in 
inspector language. Guardrails, uh, just uh, just as a side note, guardrails are required on any uh, ledge that's 30 inches or higher off the ah, ground. So if you've okay. got a, a pat- you know, front patio or, or, or you know, front stoop on your house, if it's more than 30 inches off the ground, then, then a guardrail is, uh, is required there. But handrails, the rule of thumb is four steps or more for handrails. So why would an inspector write that up? That is problematic to me. Is, is, it, does the inspector not know or is he trying to problems? He, he probably just doesn't know. He's probably looking at, and I don't have the whole picture of what was going on there. The picture that I had was just the steps itself, and I could see the ground on both sides. You know, it wasn't, you know, it was, it couldn't have been more than 24 inches off the ground to the stoop. I, I, I don't know why he called out. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the need for a handrail there. Cause it's, it's really not. So I'm going to make a blanket statement, but I'm going to ask Brad, Kevin, Greg, you don't need to necessarily jump in on this, but I want to ask an opinion. I think there are a lot of sellers out there and even would be sellers who are really peeved when an inspector makes a point about something being repaired. That's not necessarily needed. Like case in point, these steps, And I'm kind of wondering, Brad, what should the seller do if the inspector is not identified in the repair request or the report that's furnished to to them? Does the seller have the ability to reach out to that inspector and nicely tell them, do you know what you're talking about or do you have a license? Have you been to school to become an inspector? I mean, I'm being aggressive. aggressive. But you get it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and Bob, I think that, you know, the, the, the reality of it is, is that when you've got, when you're working with an agent, whether you're a seller or a buyer, you know, we, we depend on the agents as sellers and buyers to help us negotiate and navigate these waters. Yeah. You know, this is, we get a lot of calls at our office saying, Hey, such and such an inspector did, uh, did an inspection on our house that we're selling. We know you didn't do it, but can you share your opinion? You know, and, and it's just that it's it's an opinion that we're sharing. But in like this case, you know, it's pretty straightforward. It's a standard industry practice, you know, and then this is where the listing agent, you know, representing the seller would just say, hey, buyer's agent, you know, here's we're, we're not going to do it for this for this reason. So yeah. I think this that is simple. That's, like if you yeah. go if you go the facetious, aggressive way. No, and I, get I, as, was, yeah, I was I no, was. Well, you may not get as far as baking the apple yeah. pie yeah. and and saying yeah. for these reasons that we are citing in our response, yeah. this is why we are not going to right. address ABC basis yeah. code. Not do you have a license? Do they know what yeah. they're but, doing? But, but back to my point, though, does the seller have the ability to reach out to the inspector who did the job and nicely ask, why did you write this up? I, oh, Bob, I, I will say that uh, from experience, I have sellers reach out to us and state in even more aggressive terms than that, that we don't know what we're talking about. So yeah, yeah, it happens, yeah. you know, and it, it's, it's okay. It's just, it's part of the job. Um, you know, we, the home inspectors work for the buyers, you know, so it's not anything that we can necessarily comment on, but oftentimes the, the sellers have the full inspection report in their hand mm-hmm. and they want to know something very specific about why we said something. We'll, we'll explain it, but you know, typically it's, we're getting calls from the agents saying, Hey, there's a question about this. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. One final question going over to Kevin, Mr. Disla, Jim sent me an email saying that he owns several rental properties. And he says, and even now several of his renters are using COVID as an excuse not to pay. 
not only the current rent, but uh, some of the back rent that's owed. And so Jim wants to know what's the status of collecting rental monies here in this part of 2022 is this COVID mm, relaxing of rental money uh, still in effect or can Jim do something? And if so, what should he do? Well, that's a good question, whether or not that's actually been been pulled yet. I, I still think that there's money available for the landlord. Uh-huh. I know people that have done it before, that as long as you have the tenant cooperating, that there's still, I believe, there's still unused funds where you can get uh, the rent reimbursed. Plus, I think they pay in advance. Um, so there is a program the landlords can rely upon to get some of the money. And a lot of people have been successful. Now, when was the deadline that tenants could rely upon COVID not to pay rent? You know, I, if we're not through that, we're fairly close to it. I yeah. think the forbearance is still there, but, but on rent, I think I, my, my recollection of it, I think it was appealed, but I think finally they kind of lost the appeal. So I think now that there, you can no longer claim that, but I'm Got not it. 100% sure, but I think it was appealed. All right. We'll keep an eye out for that so we can follow up on it uh, for you, Jim. Uh, well, we are out of time. Our thanks to Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service. You can reach Brad and his team at 844-411-TEAM. And Kevin Disler, Pitt & Frank Attorneys, 895-9900. They do a great job. Both our guys do a great job. And so does my son, Greg, with his photography and marketing and so much more. Thank you guys for being here today. Thank you. You sure. can uh, reach out to me anytime if you want to get going on the house. You can go to... Uh, bobsellmyhome.com or you can go to sellmyhomebob.com or just call me at 376-5483. I'll come out. We'll talk about what the plan might be. No obligation. There's no money, no fees involved. Just we can talk about what we can do to help you or what you can do for yourself to get yourself on the market. That's simple. We're out of time. We'll see you next Sunday here on News Radio 840 WHAS.